In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Good morning, folks. Welcome into your OBR podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller. Always get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. I appreciate everybody stopping by. Hopefully you're doing well this Monday morning, this Victory Monday morning. Your Cleveland Browns are 10 and 4. Let's just go ahead and say that again. Your Cleveland Browns are 10 and 4 with two games left. One against the now not winless New York Jets. That's kind of important because as a team, as the players, you know, that getting that win is a big deal. Uh, it is really hard to go defeated uh, on the season. And so the Cleveland Browns don't have to worry about facing the winless New York Jets, just the one win New York Jets. And then finishing out the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, it feels good to cover a quality team doing quality things. Let's look at some statistics just real quick. Um, As I talked about in the preview podcast, uh, if you want to listen to that, that's available from yesterday. Uh, The Browns were going to struggle against the run Uh, without Wyatt Teller. That was going to be a big deal. Chris Hubbard then went out with an injury on the second or third play of the game, which brought in rookie Nick Harris, who is an undersized center. As a fifth round pick, uh, an undersized center now plugged in at right guard against a very stout, strong defensive line uh, with Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams and and all those cats. And so um, uh, Dexter Lawrence is the other of their kind of their big three big dudes. Uh, And Nick held his own. But when you look at the rushing attack. Uh, the Browns were limited to basically um, they got over 100 yards rushing, but that's only based on Baker Mayfield's 11 yards and uh, Ernest Johnson's late game, 24 yards. Beyond that, Nick Chubb, 15 for 50 for a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 7 for 21. Um, both of them had longs of 15 and 14 respectively. And then Ernest had 24 yards with a long of 24 late there in the game. So, Not unexpected that the run game was going to struggle a little bit. Now, on the other side, the Giants' run game also struggled. Uh, Alfred Morris, who I was shocked was still in the league, seven attempts for 39 yards. Uh, Gallman had nine for 29. And then a four-yarder for Deion Lewis. Colt scrambled twice for three yards. Uh, Penny had one for two yards. Sterling Shepard on an end-around had a negative three yards. So not much was happening on the ground last night for either team. And that's where we see the difference. Baker Mayfield, 27 of 32, 297 yards and two touchdowns for a passer rating of 126.2. Colt McCoy, 19 of 31, 221. Uh, And so what's really important, and then obviously they had that really horrible uh, fake field goal. Everybody spread out uh, from the punter to the center 
in completion. And to be honest, I'm surprised that didn't work because, well, that kind of stuff works against the Browns. But to be honest, when you look there, Baker and, and Colt, obviously there's a talent differential, number one overall pick, former third-round pick who's bounced around the league. But Colt also has a lot of experience in the NFL. The Browns' pass defense is poor outside of Denzel Ward uh, at times, Kevin Johnson at times, Terrence Mitchell, uh, but is pretty poor just in general. Um, and the Browns got very little pass rush yesterday. Uh, there was a report that Miles Garrett uh, had a coughing fit in the uh, locker room uh, and that COVID is still bothering him. Uh, but Olivier Vernon and the rest of the guys really struggled getting pressure against the Giants offensive line. And still, Colt had 19 for 31, 221, not a terrible game, an 82.9 rating, while Baker, 27 to 32, 297 yards, two touchdowns, even despite the fact that the Browns' rushing attack was not playing very well. And I think it could be really easy for Browns fans to to minimize the talent that the Giants are working with, right? Cold is obviously, we know him as a limited quarterback, but has a lot of experience, is a very smart player, um, and he is playing with some talented players. Darius Slayton is a good young player. Sterling Shepard is a very good slot player who's forced to play outside a little bit more than they probably want him to be. Evan Ingram is a very good tight end. Uh, Deion Lewis has been around the league for a long time. Golden Tate has been around the league for a long time. Both of them can still produce. So it's not like Colt and the Giants are working with scrubs. Now, they don't have, sorry, I actually didn't purposely mean to use the same pop culture reference that Baker did this week, uh, but I did just probably because it's stuck in my head. But it's not that the Gi- the Giants don't have that top-end guy, right? And especially with um, Colt McCoy being limited. With Daniel Jones, he's a lot of... Um, high and low he's gonna he's got a lot of variance to him he's gonna try to run the ball sometimes and have some long runs he's gonna do a lot of different things um but the Giants just lack that that top flight talent and I think the same could have been said for the Browns or some people would say for the Browns but Richard Higgins Jarvis Landry Austin Hooper all of them uh, have uh, enough upside can do enough things so on the Browns side of the field, uh, Higgins had four for 76. Jarvis had seven for 61 and a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, again, continues to play important role, three for 55. Hooper, five for 41. That's it, 41 yards. But he did have that touchdown. And Joku had that one very, very nice throwing catch uh, while getting hit for 22 yards. Harrison Bryant, two for 19. Chubb, two for 16. And Hunt, three for seven. And so, really, again, the ball is getting spread around. Baker Mayfield is using his players. He is using the offense. He is using what's available to him. And that is what is deciding the game for the Cleveland Browns. And I want to just share with you a few more stats, but these are going to be the next-gen stats, so looking more in-depth at what was happening. And so next-gen stats, you can go to uh, on Twitter at nextgenstats is their Twitter handle, um, where Baker uh, performed best last night, play action, 9 of 12 for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, 10 yards in the air, 11 for 13 for 172 yards and two touchdowns. 
uh, versus the Blitz, 14 of 16, 130 yards and two touchdowns. So Baker really made plays, again, in play action, throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field and against the Blitz. Those are all really important ones. I think the ones that the one that really stands out is against the Blitz. That's something that Baker has struggled with at times. Uh, so it was really well to do to see that. And then Next Gen continued that with um, that over the since week 12, uh, Baker has been 32 of 47 for 641 yards and seven touchdowns, throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field. So again, that doesn't mean a screen that went for 20. That's throwing the ball 10 yards down the field. He's got a 150.5 passer rating, uh, which is second in the NFL, and he leads the NFL in the last four games with seven touchdown passes of 10 yards or more thrown. Uh, so those are just really nice stats that are important to realize that Baker has taken control, which is what we're about to talk about. He has been able to take control of teams. He's been able to take control of the offense. He's been able to make big plays to let the Cleveland Browns win the game and be 10-4 and and have really made some big plays over the last two weeks. And the Cleveland Browns have controlled the game, right? Against the Giants, your Cleveland Browns, were in control of this game. So the Giants scored first uh, with 417 left uh, in the first quarter uh, after their um, paltry attempts to try to be extra aggressive. And then the Browns score, score, score until the Giants uh, get a late game uh, field goal with 412 left in the game. So really some early and late uh, score from the Giants, but the Browns really held the game in control uh, from second quarter on. It was the Browns game, and I think that's really what matters most about where Cleveland is, is that the Browns are able to do what they need to do to be in control. So it's their game. When I talk about control, the game is being played the way they want it to be in played. So they're dictating how things are going and and where the other team can play, can't do what, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're deciding what they're going to do based on what the other team is talented at. Listen, the, I've talked about it in the pregame and I've talked about it earlier in this pod. The, the Giants defensive line is really, really stout. It's really, really good. It gave the Browns some fits, and then obviously down to their third guard, uh, third right guard, that can be made it even diff- more difficult. But the Browns maintained their control. They maintained their lead. They maintained what was theirs. So they were able to run the ball just good enough in spots. They found places for you know a couple chunk runs. And then they threw the ball. They let Baker Mayfield deal, right? So the Giants were without basically their two top cornerbacks, And so they let Baker Mayfield just find a way to make the game work, right? So he found whatever player was available, whatever player was open, so that he can be completing, you know, two or more balls to two, four, six, seven players got two or more balls, and then Njoku got one uh, for 22 yards. It really is about control. And when you look at those those scoring drives. So it's, it's not just big plays, right? At least against the giants, it's been big plays at times, right? We saw the one play drive to Donovan people's Jones a few games ago. And at times there can be long runs and all that kind of stuff. Apologize. Got a cough. (coughs) Uh, So those things can all happen, but against the giants, 13 plays, 75 yards, six, almost seven minutes off the clock, 10 plays, 95 yards, almost five minutes off the clock. 14 plays, 95 yards, over eight minutes off the clock, right? So 
That is the Browns controlling the game, deciding the game, dictating the game. And in the end, the Cleveland Browns had the ball for 34 minutes and the Giants had it for just under 26 minutes. So there is really the difference of the game is how the Browns were able to control what they did, how they did it, and they move on with excuse me, a 10-4 and four record going into the final two weeks of the season. 10-4 and four record, okay? And so um, Ben Axelrod uh, from uh, WKYC uh, put up uh, this little quick list thing uh, about how the Browns can clinch the playoffs, right? That's what we're talking about, folks. The Browns' magic number is two. Uh, the other way, uh, a lot of people think about that more in the baseball terms. But the Browns' magic number is two. The really cool thing about the Browns' magic number is that two, they can get, obviously, both. They can win against the Jets and win against the Steelers, and they get their two. The other part is is their second number. So if the Browns beat the Jets, and this is, again, coming off of Ben Axelrod's um, thing, so if the uh, article on WKYC, if the Browns beat the Jets, their second can come from the Steelers losing to, I'm sorry, the Colts losing to the Steelers, the Dolphins losing, or the Ravens losing. Like, that's where the Browns can get kind of their second so again, the match number is two. One, it can be their win on weeks in week 16. And they just need one of the following three teams to lose. They need the Colts to lose, the Dolphins to lose, or the Ravens to lose. Now, Ben has on here that the Dolphins can tie or the Ravens can tie, and that also can work for the Browns. Uh, obviously, we know that that's the least realistic expectation is to ever assume or uh, hope for a tie in a game. Um, but for the Browns, Again, their magic number is two in a lot of different ways, so they can get their two wins against the Jets and the Steelers, and they are for sure in. Uh, the Browns can win this week against the Jets and clinch in Week 16 as long as either the Colts, Dolphins, or Ravens lose. Uh, ben Axelrod is also saying if the Dolphins or Ravens tie, that can work out for the Browns as well. So that means in Week 16, Cleveland Browns fans are looking at play off scenarios wow right who would have known that in week 16 the cleveland browns would be looking at playoff scenarios if they had happened to be able to take out the ravens last week um, they would have clinched i believe this week uh, and still would have been in contest with the pittsburgh steelers for the afc north unfortunately they're not that's just how it goes, and we're not going to, you know, be the focus on the things that they're not. When your Cleveland Browns are 10 and 4, then it starts to look at seeding, right? Seeding starts to matter. Seeding starts to be something to look at uh, for when the when the playoffs start, right? The Browns are on the cusp. We're not going to assume anything, right? The, the magic number is still 2, Browns need to win and have a team lose or they need to win both their games, whatever it is, that still needs to happen. But currently set it squarely in the fifth seed. Um, if the Titans or Colts win the AFC South, it doesn't, the Browns have the tiebreaker off of both of those teams. Uh, so they'll stay in that fifth seed as long as they, you know, are tied for the amount of wins. And so it'll be really interesting to see 
it'll probably be a rematch, right? So worst case scenario for the Steelers, um, it'll be it would be the Steelers or someone from the AFC South, either the Titans or Colts. Um, the only non-rematch in the first round would be if the Bills slip to that fourth seed. They're currently one game up on the Tennessee Titans. I don't think they have as much to play for, so I think there is some concern that they, they could either fall to the Patriots or the Dolphins, who both have uh, more important uh I'm sorry, not the Patriots. The Dolphins have something to play for where the Bills may not. So you may see an 11 and 4 Bills team. Uh, and if, I'm sorry, 11 and 5, 12 and 5, 12 and 4. Gee, many Christmas. 12 and 4 Bills. Uh, if the Titans went out, they or the Colts went out both at 12 and 4. I don't know what the tiebreakers are there. Um, but even if the Browns are 12 and 4, because they will not be winning the division, they will be, uh, at best case scenario, in the fifth seed and just wondering who will be in that fourth seed. And again, it could be the Steelers, could be the Bills, could be the Titans, could be the Colts. Three of those four would be rematches of, of important games uh, and difficult games. And uh, currently, obviously, the Browns beat the Titans and Colts. I don't think anyone should make any assumptions about that uh, because those are still two very, very good teams and teams that the Browns could easily lose to. And the other teams would have a revenge factor as well. And then the Browns have obviously lost to the Steelers, but have them in week 17. So we'll see what that game looks like, especially if a loss means a rematch and how much it means to the Steelers, all of that jazz. But for now, we're going to celebrate its victory Monday. It's victory week. Your Cleveland Browns are 10-4, and four, and it's time to go to work because they have two games left, and it's time to go to work for many of us as we head in to actual work. Hope you enjoy your day. Hope you enjoy your week as we get ready for Christmas at the end of this week. Hope you are safe. Uh, please keep yourself safe. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of others. And go Browns.